So those are not the questions we're answering, but we are answering some of the questions that, that people maybe are afraid to ask in church. We talked about, you know, when does God give up on me? Um, can you follow God and still have doubts? What do you do with doubt? And so if you've missed any of those, you can go online and bridgewater.church and watch, watch some of those. Today we're going to talk, though, about uh, this question. Um, there's different ways of phrasing it, but you know my anger isn't my fault, right? Or, or uh, what do I tell my friend who can't control her anger? Or um, he can't get rid of his anger. And one of the, the good things about anger is my anger is not your fault. You know, because if my anger was your fault, then I would be a powerless victim and I couldn't do anything about it. But really, my anger is, is my thing. And here's what a verse in the Bible, and we're going to look more at Ephesians 4 and what it says. It's one of the letters in the letter section of the Bible. And it says this about anger, in your anger, don't sin. And that's kind of encouraging too, as we talk about anger, to realize that that, that emotion is not sinful because like any emotion, we can't control how we feel, but we can control how we respond to how we feel. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit about anger today. And at the end, um, as you go, we have um, little magnets for you to, to take. Um, and uh, some of our, our uh, guest services people will be handing them out. Uh, six steps to take uh, for the next time you get angry. So talking about anger, um, this may be a surprise that, that you cannot sin for some people who deal with anger because we all deal with anger just different ways, right? Some people have the obvious explosive, maybe physical or verbal anger. Other people less obvious, but it's sarcastic and passive-aggressive anger. But then there's, there's some who even, uh, they, they just isolate themselves. Their anger drives them to isolation, and it's totally turned in on themselves. But, but no matter what kind of anger you have, God's Word talks about how we can be released from it and how we can channel it. Because actually, uh, anger is a God-given emotion, and God gives good gifts. And so sometimes anger is actually good. When you get so sick and tired of being sick and tired, right, that's, that's anger, and it gives you that emotional fuel to maybe make changes in your own life and do things. But the problem is, uh, we, are, we are broken, as the Bible says, we're fallen, um, and our natural state just, just is, is a little twisted and, and wrong, and so many times we just respond to anger in the wrong ways or, or, or uh, in a wrong, um, wrong response to it. Anger is an indicator that something is wrong. So anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is almost never the problem. It just is a response to a problem. And we'd like to think it's a response to your problem, <laughs> my anger, but it's not. It's, so anger means there is actually, and sometimes it's true, sometimes anger is a response to something that's wrong in the world, and sometimes it's a response to something that's wrong in me. Uh, but what it is, is it acts like, uh, like a smoke detector or any kind of alarm, like a little light on your dashboard of the car, right? So if a smoke detector goes off, you, you, you hear that annoying noise, right? And it's so loud. And, and so some people, what they do with anger is they take a pillow and they put it over their head. 
And, and, and they try to stuff that anger. They try to ignore that anger. But really, anger demands. It's like your emotional you know, smoke detector saying, there is an issue. You need to deal with it. And maybe all it is is your wife's cooking bacon and it's putting the smoke. And it's not really a bad thing. You know, or, or maybe your house is on fire and there's something you need to do. And so anger is, is that smoke detector for us, that secondary emotion that tells us that something is wrong. Um, and, and it's interesting to me how our culture and in the stories we tell. So one of the things I like about movies is as crazy as the plot line might be, like about aliens from outer space or superhuman people that can fly and are way overpowered. Like, I appreciate when characters reveal tr truth, you know? And, and, and one of the things that has changed in the storytelling of our culture, um, you go way back to the Lone Ranger. So Cliff, Ben remembers the Lone This was before my time, okay? <laughs> But the Lone Ranger, I got it on reruns. What would happen when the Lone Ranger got the bad guy? He'd take him to the sheriff, right? And justice would be served. You know what happens now when our heroes get the bad guy? I, I watched, I watched a, a thing on Amazon, and, and it was called The Terminal List. Don't, don't watch it. <laughs> Um, but I watched the first one, and, and the guy's terminally sick with cancer, and he's trying to find these bad guys that basically killed everyone in his military unit and betrayed them. And, and he, he gets to the first guy, and he basically, you know, and I think, he's going to be the Lone Ranger. No, he shoots him in the head. There, there was no bring to justice and let the system deal. No, it was, and I'm like, oh, that's how this is, that's the list. The terminal list is not, he's dying and has a list. No, it's everyone on his list he's going to shoot and kill. And this is, this tells us something about our culture. We've gone from saying, you know what, we're going to leave justice in the hands of our judicial system, but now we say we don't believe in it. There is no justice. And not only is there no justice on earth, but there is no just, I'm not going to leave this in God's hands either. I'm not going to leave that criminal up to God. I need to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner. And that's what anger is. Anger says, I'm going to get even. And maybe I'll get even by telling everybody else how this person hurt me, and so I can poison them against him, and that's how I'll get him. Or I'll get even by somehow holding on to this, and whenever I get that chance, then oh, I can say or do or, or, or get. And, and the Bible says, has a different way that we need to respond to anger. It's an indicator that something's wrong, and unmanaged anger is a fortress for the enemy undealt with anger, if you, if you are the kind of person and that smoke alarm has been going off in your head for years, that's not healthy. And, and that's not what God wants. Here's what the verse goes on to say, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. How long have you been angry? More and more, I see young men who have this controlled and but they're just 
angry. And I don't even know what they're angry about. You know, and sometimes they're unemployed, and sometimes they are employed, and sometimes they're drinking, and sometimes they're sober, and, but there's just this underlying, and I'm sure it's there with a lot of women as well. It's just there, teenagers, and they're just, you're just angry. Why? What is making you angry? And you, whatever that is, you need to deal with it. And not be the judge, jury, and executioner, but deal with it in a way of, is, is there a relationship in my life that something needs to change? Do I need to just forgive and give this over to God? But don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You need to deal with that anger. Don't leave it unmanaged and undealt with. And do not give the devil a foothold. And uh, that's, that's really important as well. It goes on to say, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Giving the devil a foothold. So a lot of times, it's like a beachhead militarily. In fact, that, that word foothold, that's why it's translated that way. It, 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 it literally means don't give him a space. Uh, but it was often used in military terms back in the ancient world and the language this was written in. And so this next verse, though, is interesting because it has this list. Lists in the Bible sometimes are just random lists, like just a um, kitchen sink of sins or a kitchen sink of good things, or, and they just randomly list. But other lists, and this one is one of them, are progressive. It says, get rid of all bitterness. But if you didn't get rid of bitterness, then it's progressed to rage and anger. And you need to get rid of that too. But if you didn't get rid of it when it was rage and anger, then it's probably progressed to brawling and slander. Now, now you're actually physically involved or slander. You're trying to poison other people. Anger, like a disease, is contagious. And if you're angry and you don't deal with that anger, eventually that anger is going to, to at least try to poison other people. And he's saying, so get rid of that bitterness because it'll turn to rage and anger. But if you have that rage and anger, get rid of that because it'll turn to brawling and slander. And then if you don't deal with the brawling and slander along with every form of malice, then it turns into every kind of malice or evil. There are all sorts of evils that come about. Suicidal depression sometimes comes about from unmanaged anger. Anger turned inward. I'm so mad at the world. Actually, I'm really mad at myself. And that, that, that anger towards self, of course, I mean, not all depression comes from that, but some of it does. I'm so mad at myself, and, and it leads to depression. And so, so he's saying, boy, we, we need to deal with this. It's an alarm going off, and, and you need to, to, to address this problem. So how do you do that? How, how do you manage anger? How do you get rid of anger? How do you have anger, as it's said in verse 26, and not sin? And this is the antidote, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Unmanaged anger is a fortress of the enemy, and we need to let it go. Another movie that um, I had to look up which one, the, I, I remember this clip, I didn't know where it was from, is a 2012 Avengers movie. Totally unrealistic, aliens are, of course, destroying New York City, which gets destroyed about every other week in the comic book world, and um, Bruce Banner, who is the scientist who becomes the Hulk, he pulls up on a little moped 
you know, and the city's like falling apart, and there's alien, you know, unstoppable, overpowered aliens all over the place, and he pulls up in his little moped, and Captain America is there and kind of gives the plan of this is what we're going to do, and, and then this huge alien ship is coming at them, you know, unstoppable, and Captain America says to the Bruce Banner, he says, now would be a good time to get angry. Because, of course, if he gets angry, he becomes the Hulk, who's even more overpowered. And, um, and, and this, like, gave me chills. Bruce calmly, and almost like he's at peace, but he's not. He just calmly says, you see, Captain, that's my secret. And he turns and slowly walks calmly toward the destruction. He says, I'm always angry. And his face twists into a rage and he becomes the Hulk, and it gives me chills because I know people like that who are trapped by their anger, and it's always there. It's a constant companion. It's just under the surface. I remember when I was, uh, I was either a teenager or in my early 20s. I don't know which is worse um, for the scenario because in my early 20s, I, I would have been a pastor at that church, but it was a church I grew up in, and there's this woman who was like highly regarded because two of her sons became pastors, so she was like this, whoo, church lady, you know, and we were having this church dinner after church, and I was sitting across from her, um, and I don't know how we got on it. I might have even asked, you know, how did your husband pass away? And she said, how? I don't remember how, but I remember what came next. God took my husband, and I will never forgive him for that. And like everyone at the table was like, Ooh, dead silence. And it was like the mask came down for just a split second, and you could just see that rage underneath. And she wasn't letting that go because she thought it was her job to punish God. And some of you, maybe you're not that extreme, but you think it's your job to punish so-and-so. And it's often been said, unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting it to, hurt, to kill the other guy, that other person. And of course, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. And, and what God's Word is saying, He says, the only way out is probably the last thing you want to do, be compassionate and kind. Now, sometimes that can be enabling. I'm not saying you should enable. And, and again, there's, there's a lot of things forgiveness is not. And, and so we need to understand that forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't mean what was done to you is okay. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. It means what was done to you is not, was not okay. Because if it was okay, you wouldn't have to forgive. Right? But it means it wasn't okay. And, it, and you can't forget. The, the human mind, we forget, most of us, forget 99.9% .9 of everything that happens. And those with great memories forget 98% probably. You know, but there's one thing the mind is really good at remembering, and that's pain. We remember pain. In fact, it's interesting. I read that if you want to teach a parrot how to speak, you know, redundancy, saying something over and over, and it, it will copy it, but stress... If you put a parrot under incredible stress, if it thinks it's going to die, it remembers <laughs> and, and can parrot things back. Our mind is incredibly good at remembering pain. 
And, and, and so it, you, we can't forget. And, and forgiveness doesn't mean trust. You're saying, I should trust her again? No, no. It doesn't even mean the restoring of a relationship because that would need repentance, right? If someone hurt you and they're not sorry, then you can't, you can't necessarily restore that relationship, but you can still forgive because forgiveness is saying, I'm, I am releasing my right, what I feel like is my right, to get even and to punish. I'm going to let God do that because you know what? God is way better at punishing people than you are anyway. He's got a lot of options that we don't have. And you know what else? He's also smarter than us, and He knows their heart. And, and He's more loving. And you just leave it to God. Kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Why? There's two reasons to forgive. One we've talked about already. You forgive because if you don't, it hurts you, not the other person. So that's a reason to forgive. But here it gives us another reason just as in Christ God forgave you because I've been forgiven. And actually, a prerequisite for this forgiveness, Jesus talks about it just after the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14 and 15. He says, you know, does the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, does all that. And then he just follows up on the forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. He follows up on that thought and he says, so by the way, he says, if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. If you forgive others, God will forgive you. It's that important. It's necessary for salvation. You say, is that a work salvation? No, it's not. But, but to be saved, to be forgiven by God, you have to do two things. You have to ask him to forgive you and be humble like that and say, I, I, I don't want life to be fair. I, I want Jesus to be punished 2,000 years ago and not me. And then the other side, though, is I'm going to follow God. I'm going to give Him my life. I, I'm going to surrender and accept Him. And when you do that, that means you're following Him in forgiveness. You're following Him and, and, and surrendering your right to get even with other people. Like you're giving it all up. And so, so it, forgiveness is just so incredibly important to do that. Um, I want to close with an illustration, and I asked our ball boy to help me with this. I'm, I'm just joking. Joel Kessler is going to help me with this. So, so these balls represent hurts. So, so what happens in life is, is we get hurts thrown our way, Right? And, and we can choose. We do not, we, we don't, we cannot um, control the hurts and what happens in our lives, right? We can't even control if, you know, a hurt hits us in the face, maybe a little bit. <laughs> All right. Um, but what we can control is how we respond to them. And so if, if hurts come your way and you keep holding on to them, this is what my dad said. And, and, and there are people who haven't talked to their dad in years because he said that, you know, and, and this is how my boss treated me. And this is, this is just, in fact, there should be 20 balls here because this was my ex-wife, right, and, or ex-husband. And, and, then, and then this was, was, was when that coworker, that friend lied and betrayed me and you're just holding on and, 
And then there's more and more. And at, and at first, maybe one more. At first, you can kind of function. But after a while, you, you, you just can't live. You, you, can't, you can't hold on to joy or you have no peace because you're holding on to all of these hurts. And it begins to poison, you know, you know, don't give the devil a foothold. Can you imagine if someone had beaten you and stolen from you? Can you imagine giving that person a room in your house to live or a room in your apartment? Your friends would be like, why are you giving him a room? Well, it's only one room, right? It's only one. He's not going to stay in that room. He's going to come out and 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 poison other rooms and, and hurt you. We, we, got, we, we can't control how many hurts come at us. You know, I gave that illustration of that old church lady I knew growing up. I want to give you the opposite illustration right now. Yesterday, we celebrated the life of Donna Foster. Donna had a lot of hurts thrown at her. I don't think I've ever heard of a beautiful divorce, but definitely an ugly hurtful divorce in her life, in a time when divorce carried a stigma as well. And she didn't hold on to it. You know, and then other things, people she loved dearly passing away, and she just let them go. She was in her, one, one of, I think her granddaughter, or I think was sharing, she's like, I was in the car, they call her crazy grandma. You know, I was in the car with crazy grandma, and we were in traffic, and we weren't going anywhere, and I was getting increasingly frustrated, and, and you know, it's just, you're going to be late, and it's not. And, and she says, and Grandma Donna turns to me and says, you know, in every moment, we can choose to be at peace. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to be at peace right now, Grandma. Like, you can be at peace, but I'm not at peace. So, you know, all those things. Donna just had this capacity to just let those hurts go. And you know what? Because she did that, she had incredible joy and peace and a capacity to love because her hands weren't full of all her hurts and keeping a record and holding on to them. And I, I you know, we had so many pictures of her. And a lot of those pictures, she wasn't just smiling. She was laughing. And if you know Donna, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and that's the kind of life God wants for you. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and to live it to the fullest, to have it more abundantly. The thief, you know, he comes. I'm the good shepherd, but the thief, he comes to kill and destroy and hurt. He says, but, but that's, that's not me. You can trust God with your hurts. You can trust him to get even with whoever you want to get even with and forgive yourself. And forgive that indiv individual. In fact, we're going to close our service with uh, communion. A time of remembering how Jesus died for us. And um, in fact, if you didn't get one of these cups, you can just go up in the back right now and get one. Um, and I think I just want to take maybe a, a minute of time right now. Um, and then I'll pray. Maybe two minutes just for you to examine your heart and life. Is there any sin that you are holding on to, desires that you know God doesn't want you to do, things that are wrong? 
confess them to God right now. He, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I want to encourage you as well to think about, is there anyone you need to forgive? And to do that right now. And honestly, if there's someone you need to call, Jesus says, I think it's in Matthew 5, you need to get up and leave and go make that call. Back then, they didn't have phones, so they had to actually travel to the person, but that, it's that important to get right with others. Um, as much as it depends on you, sometimes it doesn't depend on you, but as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. So let's just take a minute or two right now and just have some just quiet conversation with God and examine.